G'day legends and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight is a full house. We've got Sean, Liam and John. How are you Sean? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, my house got burgled last week, fuckers. So that's not a joke, that actually happened. Uh, I was chatting to, and I was also chatting to another guy, uh, he was telling me he was a joiner. Did not know that you can be either a metal joiner or a wood joiner. It's two different things. Anyway, this guy was a metal joiner, so I asked him how the work was. He said it's riveting. Or <laughs> <laughs> that, that one, either or. Uh, good fun. How are you, Liam? Good, good. Uh, had a couple of wee Belgian waffles for breakfast and uh, might have a couple of cans of Stella Artois tonight. Yeah. <laughs> What's up you wearing, Liam? Oh, this is the uh, Cameroon 1990 World Cup. Uh, Roger Mila? Yep, the Roger nice. Mila special. Nice. And uh, how are you, John? Yeah, I'm good. I feel a bit um, a bit sunburned, a bit pink. It's getting a bit warm up here in Queensland, so I was out on site today. And a stupid, stupid palm, forgot to put the sunscreen on. I feel like a sunburn is definitely coming on. <laughs> you idiot. idiot, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gonna thanks everyone for the weekend. Thanks everyone for tuning into the Celtic Down Under podcast. We appreciate your ongoing support. If you haven't done so already, I've checked the stats. About fifty percent of the people who download our podcast and listen to it haven't subscribed. So, if you're one of those fifty percent, please subscribe. The podcast to really help us grow the podcast. Also, then you'll get notified whenever we release the show. Same with our YouTube. About it, kind of about forty percent of who's watching that is uh, subscribe. So if you're watching via YouTube, please subscribe as well. Hit the notification bell. We really appreciate that. So we've got um, a little bit to talk about. Do we want to start with the good news, with the game from the weekend, or the bad news? I think, I think the good news. I think we'll start with the good news as well. So Celtic 2, Aberdeen 0, starting lineup: Joe Hart, Juranovic, Kardovic as Welsh, Taylor, McGregor, Hatade, Jota, O'Reilly, Maeda, and Furuhashi was the starting lineup. Uh, for me, things had jumped off the page. First half an hour was pretty good, as Andrew said in the presser. We, you know, dropped off it a bit for the last 15 minutes or so of the first half. Second half, people were saying that was a 45-minute complete effort. I think it was maybe first five minutes as we're getting back into the swing of things. We weren't quite there, but then that last 40 minutes was some solid football as well. So, Sean, what was your overall take on the game? Uh, first of all, it was on. Did you get up to watch it or did you watch it next day? Nah. And, um, <laughs> I had uh, the guys at Axon want me to do their, their live match day thing, and I'm like, ah, it's a 1.30 kickoff on a Monday and I've got to work, so it's not going to happen. So I watched the replay yeah. Monday night knowing the result, but still enjoyed the game. It was 11.30 for me, so I stayed up. I was like, yeah, I'm going to power through. I'm going to watch this half-time. I was like, down. So I'm not watching. <laughs> I saw the first half live and the second half the next day. But, uh, yeah, it was it was good. Like, it was the game pretty much went how we expected it would. One thing I'll say for Aberdeen is they looked very much like uh, St Mirren of last year when Jim Goodwin would bring his St Mirren to Celtic Park. Very much uh, park the bus, hope for a set-piece or counter-attack. Um it really, when we scored that goal early, I actually got a text through from my dad like 10 seconds before Stephen Welsh scored to say that, oh, watch out, Stephen Welsh is going to have a good game today. And then he bang, bangs in that goal. Uh, and look, he doesn't actually usually do it that often, Stephen Welsh, from the header. So it's it's good to see. Well, he does it more than Starfield. So it was good to see someone, a more competent player at left centre back than Carl Starfelt. Um... Can I jump in there for a second? He <laughs> <laughs> said he doesn't do it much with the headers, right? Mm-hmm. Welsh has scored five goals for Celtic. All headers. Have they been? Well, it feels like he should be doing more. But and, I guess... Carter Vickers last season scored four goals. Not a single one with his head. Oh, so, all, uh, yeah. So it's funny you said that because that was something that I was... I heard it on another podcast. I can't remember which one it was, but... Makes sense, but also the fact that for me, I'm looking at it going, what Welsh had to do there, he out-jumped three guys and had to put a lot of effort to get it to go away the angle he did to get it into that back post. So there's a lot to do there, so it was quality for him. But back to what you were saying, Sean. 
Yeah, no, it's just, I don't know, in my, me- my head I've got memories of missing a few. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of these things stick. Not as much as the fact that Starfield's still never scored one, but still. Uh, yeah, I thought, like, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of knew the starting lineup. I thought the two outstanding players in the first half anyway were uh, O'Reilly and Hitati. They looked outstanding, uh, particularly O'Reilly. Uh, Hitati's his usual, like, his best is better than anyone, but then he also stuffs up a few trying the spectacular, which is fine. I don't really mind that. Um, but yeah, I was like really enjoying watching those two play. And it just felt like the, the front three were just a little bit off the pace of O'Reilly and Hitati, the, off the pace of the midfield. And in defence, if you're thinking about oh, Welsh coming into the team, uh, Taylor, so on paper, your strong point is Juranovic and Carter Vickers, but the chances that Aberdeen were getting, not that many, were coming through Carter Vickers and, and Juranovic and nothing came through Welsh or Taylor. So goal aside, those two were very good. Uh, yeah. What do you take? Your take on the game, Sean? Not Sean, sorry, John. <laughs> um yeah, no, I can't I can't disagree with a lot of that to be honest. And just just on that point of Taylor, I thought Taylor had an absolute blinder of a game, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Again, he's he's very much an unsung hero. As a you know, in many games he has he has very, very good games, um, but he's normally um I don't want to say shadowed, but we we've got that much talent at the moment that he's he seems to get a bit lost in that sort of conversation. But um I'm glad he's getting more and more of that recognition because he, I, I, like we've said it before, he 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 does a very good job. He does, he does, um, he, he does as a job. You know what I mean? Um, look, Welsh. Uh, yes, I do like Welsh a lot. I think the the for me one of the biggest things from last season that Welsh didn't have from his game was defending corners or a set piece. Um, and I think if he just gets rid of that from his game, because positionally he's quite poor, if I remember a couple of scenarios where he's positionally quite poor, if he gets rid of that, he's, it'll be a fantastic defender for us. And, and I'm always, I'm, I'm pleased he never went to, um, oh, I forget the bloody team that he, he was linked with. Toulouse, Toulouse was it? Oh, yeah. There's another one as well. Um, yeah. The Italian team in Udinese. Yeah, yeah Udinese. Udinese. That's exactly who it was. The yeah, funny very thing, glad. Sorry, funny thing, John, you're saying there about Welsh is I always thought he was a smaller centre back. He's actually six two. Hmm. Yeah, so do you know what? I, I get that impression as well. I get impression that he's a, a short centre back, but because I was looking at you saying about the headers and the corners and stuff, and then all of a sudden I'm like, how tall is he? Six foot two. Okay, that's surprising. But anyway, back to what you were saying. Yeah, and looking, and he's not. Um, it's not like we, it's not like some of the other players we've had in the past, where he says, "Oh, you know, he needs to go away on loan and he's sort of bulk up and stuff." He hasn't got that problem. I think it's just, I just think it's experience for him, and I think it's um, some of his positioning, uh, and then he's going to be, yeah, he's going to be cracking. Um, other players that I thought was absolutely fantastic. How can we not speak about Jota? Just absolutely phenomenal. Some of the pings that he was doing that goal was something special. Um, I mean, look, and I don't even think it was much of a hardship for him. It looked effortless the way he scored that goal. So, um, yeah, I, I think some very, very special things to come. And I think almost, uh, not, that he, not that we didn't see like a lot of sparks and, and sort of that um, special X factor from him last season. Um, but I think maybe, I mean, it's a bit early to say, but he seems very much like he's enjoying his time now. Like he's very much like, like he's settled, it's permanent, and now he can, you know, he's got time to do all of his extra stuff. And so I'm ho- hopefully we'll see more of that sort of, you know, breaking away from the defender and taking shots at 25 yards and stuff. Because that was just, that was phenomenal. Um, I also thought that, yeah, I agree with you, Jared. And, and, and I know Anne sort of said that in that um, post-match that, you know, he's not going to have excuses of, well, oh, we're rusty and X, Y, Z. We looked a little bit off it. Um, and that sort of, like you say, the sort of uh, 15 minutes of the first half and 5, 10, 15 of the second and stuff. That sort of get. I thought when a badder uh, Turnbull and Jackamacus came on, that's really when we started to get our momentum back. That's really when, you know, it all sort of uh, started driving forward again. Um, yeah. And I, I, it's a shame that Jackamacus never got that goal because... Uh, yeah, that should have been. I don't know if you know the one I'm thinking of, but the one where he sort of just drove it to the left of the to the goal. 
Um, he should have sunk that. He was right in front of the goal. But uh, those, those, you know, those chances will be. There'll be more of them, and they'll come. So yeah, it was a really good. Aberdeen's a good side, so um, good opening result for us. I thought. And Liam, we'll go to you before we uh, before I jump on with my comments off what John was saying. Yeah, I I think it was just a very good professional first day of the season kind of display. Aberdeen were better than I expected them to be. Um, put up a bit more of a fight. Uh, you had a, the good thing about Celtic at the weekend was you saw both facets of the team. You saw like the the hard work, the stability of Welsh Carter Vickers and Taylor. And then you blend that with the sheer class of um, Jota, Hatate, and O'Reilly, and it's making for a very, very potent team as we as we look ahead. Um, uh, you know, maybe that's not going to go down in history as one of the great games of of the a season opener. But job done, very professional performance, and I think a sign of much better things to come. <coughs> I have to say on, on so, sorry on the so just before you move on from Jota, um, can I file him under Hitati and O'Reilly as well, particularly a very outside chance of making the World Cup. So he's going to be one of those three that's really motivated mm-hmm. to. And, and I mean very outside, like aye, the, the outside of those three, I would suggest. But I definitely like, a chance because what he would have to do is light up the San Siro or the new Camp in the Champions League, and then. Even then, he's still relying on an injury or two and a, an expanded COVID squad to get in. But it's still a chance, really. Yeah, it's funny you said to get away from before we change it from Jodas, who I was actually coming to talk about, Sean. Oh, sorry, so, Jared. <laughs> the funny thing with Jodas is like you look at him and he just, as John was saying, like he looks settled, and that is a huge thing for him. It's like he can relax. He knows he's going to be here for a year, two. He's got five year contracts, so make yourself feel at home and that finish amazing but for me the funny thing there's two things I want to point out about that goal first thing when I watched the replay back I knew Jota hit a, a, a worldie I didn't I wasn't expecting it to be that one when he hit it and I saw a shot from outside the box with number 17 on the back and the fear from two seasons ago of the ball going into row Z was like hang on what that was the first thing my first reaction and I'm like oh hang on that's not Christy we're good and then the Nets bulging, so we're laughing. Second thing, though, what I loved about the whole celebration was the unity in the squad. Like, you look at when Welsh scored his goal, everyone got around him. O'Reilly bolts it over from the opposite corner to come over and celebrate with him. When Jota scores, everyone gets around him again. It's great to see that with the five sub rule we got again this season, how much depth we've got in the squad – it's not a matter of who's starting the games, who's finishing the games or anything like that. It's whoever's out there we know can do the job. And the unity within that squad, you've got a guy like Greg Taylor who played really well. And he's got like a, a £4 million Argentinian whiz kid come, coming off the bench whose second half of the season is going to be nipping at his heels. So he has to raise his game. But then... There's no, you know, nastiness. Like if you have a look, Kyogo starts, misses a couple of chances, Jack and Maccus comes on. You don't see those two arguing each other or any bitchiness or whatever in the squad. It's how together we all are. And I'm loving seeing that. And the funniest part about that second celebration, we all know how much Jota loves his hair and he's celebrating and Jack and Maccus has tried to give him five, two or three times. And then Jota takes a step away while he's just celebrating and gets to the crowd. Jack and Maccus just grabs him on the hair on the top and it pulls him back and then gives him a hug. I saw that and I was pissed myself laughing. Simple little things like that. Yeah. yeah. The, sorry, I have a couple other points, but um, the the sub players you're talking about as well, the ones that came off the bench, like they looked like they could have easily they'd be starters. Like if you go back yeah. two years, even at most Celtic teams of the last 10 years, they would be quality enough to start. Uh Jack and Marcus and Turnbull in particular, a bad looked good as well. And on the sub talking about Kyogo, like he on a day, if this is a, if that game is played a month from now, he gets two or three goals. He looked just like a yard off off. Do you know what I mean? Like his there was ones into the box where the Aberdeen player just kind of got an end of it ahead of him. 
uh, yeah, a month or two from now, he scores at least a goal in that game. A month or two from now, Sean, we win that game 6-0. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Although, look, I, 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 I do I, want to mention Johnny Hayes. Yeah, I was, that's, do you know, that's literally what I was just going to bring up, like, honestly. Well, I, I do to you, think... Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> if Hayes scores that goal, which we all know the one I'm talking about, uh, mm. I think the game changes a little bit because we were starting to lose momentum at that point. Um, so, yeah, at one all. Look, I, I still think we started. We were we controlled the game. I think it was what it was. Uh, it, it was a game for us to lose, so to speak. Um, but yeah, that was it. Was it was just a reminder um, that you know we're not infallible. I think that the um, little little bit of weaknesses here and there. Um, but exactly what Sean was saying. I think we're finally in a position. Maybe not entirely. Maybe not completely. But we're, we're pretty much at a position where let's just say seventy five percent of our team. Uh, has another player behind them who's as good. So we have almost two full teams of good players, and that's that's what we were talking about. That's what we need Celtic to be, right? We were talking about this, talking about this for years to have a main player just as good coming up, and then a, and then a youngster that conveyor belt. We were all talking about. It looks like it's starting to actually happen. Just ah, very exciting to see. Finally, right? Yeah. One one thing as well on the shape of the team is. Remember, we're talking pre-season and saying, oh, I wonder if this Joe Hart thing is going to carry on into the actual season or if it's just a pre-season thing. Well, it was carrying on. He was playing that high as, as he did in pre-season. And I don't know if you remember that Aberdeen player having a goal from his own half. Mm. Um, he put it off target, but like when he hit it and the camera's nowhere near the Celtic half, so I'm like, oh, shit, he spotted something here. But no, it, it went <laughs> wide, but I think that's going to happen. Somebody's going to have a pop every game. We'll concede one like that this season, and then he'll, you know, then he'll learn. And instead of coming up to the back side of the center circle, we'll be five, ten meters behind that a bit further. Mm-hmm. It'll, we'll get caught out with one of them, but more than likely it'll happen in Europe. Let's be honest. We're playing Real Madrid away at the Bernabeu. You know, he'll get caught out if he's that far out of position. The, the other thing I noticed as well, it's different from last season, is the fullbacks rather than moving into that midfield position. They're basically starting there. So I don't know if that's just because Aberdeen are parking the bus, but last year, the, like Taylor and Juranovic were more moving in, whereas now that's basically their starting position. That's so you too, Sean. Yeah. See, and, the, and I noticed as well, Jared, when I was watching it, there was one where we played the long diagonal. I was like, oh, there's, Jared mentioned that last year. That's a year two Ange thing as well. Yep. The thing is, like, it becomes so much easier. Like, you play a lot of tr- one-touch triangles sort of thing, like, you get like Stephen Welsh gets the ball quickly into Taylor out wide left to whether it's Jota or it's Maeda out left. So it's one touch football, bang, 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 balls up in there. We're behind their, their right back. And then what? And then it's like, okay, does cross come in? Do we play it back through the midfield? Now they're scrambling. So, and then once you start doing that a few times, the ball gets in from like Welsh into say Taylor there. Later in the season, we'll be seeing Taylor hitting that ball across the pitch to Jota or over to an Abada or something like that with a diagonal ball. So that's where that, that'll that come into it. So, yeah, it's good to see. It's year two of it. And, um, yeah, can only keep going and improving. I've got um, I've got a question for you guys, right? It was something that I was thinking about uh, after the game. Do you think uh, sort of tactics-wise, it uh, when teams park the bus, it's better to play Giacomacus first and then bring Kurgo on after. Just thought when you were talking about the crosses there, Jared, there was a few crosses when Kyogo was on um, that sort of just went awry or didn't really amount to much. And I very much thought if maybe Giacomacus was on the end of those, there would be a bit more. Yeah, no. So, like, yeah. It depends on the, on the makeup of the defensive line. Like, you look at a team like Aberdeen, Kyogo and his speed is going to cause them probably more trouble than a Jack and Maccus would playing battering ram up front, right? But if you're playing a team like Livingston, for instance, who on their plastic pitch, I don't know which way I'd go on that. So it's going to be horses for courses sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. We, 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 have, a, we have a luxury at the moment. Two, two different types of strikers and... Um... 
can sort of pick it for the whatever the, t- the opposition is. But I just, I, 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 I did think maybe uh, for the Aberdeen game it would have been better to play Jackamacus first and then bring Kurgo on when the team's a bit fatigued and stuff. But uh, look, still worked out for the for us. So I think if you want uh, an image of the strength of the squad, look at James Forrest think off the bench, uh, Bernabe. Yeah. Four million pound or whatever he was, then got off the bench. Um, Moritz Jens then got off the bench. Uh, players like Edigucci, McCarthy didn't even make the bench. So this is the kind of the squad we're at right now. Evolution uh, of the squad. Mm-hmm. Is is Edigucci not injured? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. But still. Yeah. Uh, but, so maybe yeah. maybe if Gucci's fit, Moy doesn't make the bench. Who's a World Cup yeah. player? You know what I mean? Like it's. Yeah. Yep. Moy showed, in, in my opinion, and that ties into the next topic that we wanted to discuss. So I have one last thing I want to touch on about the game on the weekend, which was the TIFO. And then we can jump mm-hmm. into James McCarthy. Mm-hmm. How proud does that make you seeing that sort of thing happen at Celtic Park? Like the weather was good at the stadium. It looked amazing. I've had so many friends down here, people that – I've worked with Nat of Senate to me going, how good is this? Look, tagging me and things and stuff like that. It's just amazing to see. Like, yeah, looked amazing. Yeah, yeah, really yeah I get it. I get it too. Like, go play football on Sunday and after the game, having a beer, and the guys like, oh, I seen that Tifo, I seen the display at Celtic. And these guys are like Australian or some of them are English and Everton yeah. fans and stuff, you know. Like, why I don't know how they even know about that. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's really, fan to it. Yeah, where are they getting this news from? They're getting it. Yeah. Uh, it's the Aussie, Aussie media over here. Mm. But anyway, was there anything about it in Japan, Liam? There was actually, I it, it made a couple of the, the back pages of the papers over here. Um, yeah, just, um, I mean, you know, a basic match report, but the photos were of the TIFO because that was the, that was the sort of centrepiece of that whole game at the weekend. And I think it's a toss-up between that and the Barcelona TIFO for the 125th anniversary as to what's the best TIFO I've ever seen at Celtic. Um, it's pretty close. Last weekend might have just edged it, actually. Oh, okay, I'm going to go with the controversial take here. Barcelona mm. one is great. Don't get me mm. wrong. But I think the shininess of what they used for the reflections and stuff on the weekend, plus the daylight of it, made mm. the colours pop more in that TIFO so it actually looked better. Like if you look at it, the mm. actual Barcelona one and the message and the actual pattern and everything, in my opinion, looks better. Yeah. Because the whole stadium in the same pattern, this is a couple of different things going on at once. Mm. However, just because it was a day game with the brightness of it, the big ribbons coming down from the cup and all that sort of stuff, this one would be my favourite one that I've seen. I think clearly, I mean, of course, remember the Barcelona game was nearly 10 years ago as well. And I think it's there's a clear evolution in the guys who do these TIFOs. They're getting more sophisticated as time goes on. Yeah. Um, and it's really, it's great to see that that evolution. We should do more of, more of them, the big stadium TIFOs. Well, it's the third time we've done that in our club's history, a full stadium TIFO. So... Not a bad effort, if I, don't, if I yeah. don't mind saying that. So we'll jump over to the thing we just touched on, James McCarthy, not even making the bench on the weekend. And there's been rumours of him being linked with a move down to Sunderland. Now, with Aaron Moy coming on for, what was it, 10, 15 minutes, whatever, you've got him in that sort of position coming on as a deep-line playmaker, You've got McCarthy not making the squad and rumours of him leaving. Is this the end of the road for McCarthy at Celtic? What are your thoughts on that, John? Yeah, I thought, I thought, I immediately thought when uh, Moy signed that it would probably be the end of McCarthy, to be honest. Um, just because they're sort of similar in my head, sort of, um, maybe not like as far as what, what they can actually give us on the pitch, but. Um, sort of same sort of age, same sort of like place in their career and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think McCarthy ever really worked. To be honest, I thought I, I can't really think of a single game where I can say, oh, he had an absolute, a, absolutely a blinder of a of a game there. Um, 
I think he was very much sort of a bit part player, uh, filled some, filled gaps where we need where we needed them. Um, but yeah, uh, I've, I I don't think he's a horrible player, but he's just not what we were really needing. And he um, and it was yeah, well, I don't think it was particularly an and signing. So I mean, I hope he, if he goes to Sunderland, I hope he does well. But um, I don't think he's got much of a, a part to play in our season coming up, to be honest. So. I do think moving on, even if it's a loan, would be the best for him. Yeah, sometimes a move just doesn't work out. It's not necessarily the club's fault, not necessarily the players' fault. It's just Celtic aren't a good fit for McCarthy at the moment, and McCarthy is not a good fit for this current Celtic team. And, you know, I don't doubt his professionalism, I don't doubt his attitude, um, but I just don't see how he's going to get into that team because when everybody's fit, Callum McGregor plays that position. If he's injured, Moy or Gucci come in and only when the three of them are out the picture would you consider starting McCarthy. So there's no there is no pathway into the first team when you're a guy in your 30s and there's at least three players in front of you. It's basically in the... um... A buoy and, and sorry position at the moment. Yeah, that's realistically. And there's a comment here from Michael Ross saying, when it comes up, right player at the wrong time. Now, if we hadn't assigned him last season, he probably would have gone to a club like, you know, like a Sunderland, like a Middlesbrough, like, you know, in the Championship level, not the EPL level. So, yeah, it's a bit that way. If you're watching, please put your if you want to join in or you've got an opinion on what we're talking about, put it in the comments section. We'll bring them up on screen. We'll discuss them. So I'm um, happy want the show to be interactive. Sean, what's your take or thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, look, the fact that he's a Celtic fan kind of changes it a little bit. Because uh, if he's not, then you just, you know he's Bobo Baldy in it. Do you know what I mean? Like he's going to be just collecting a wage on this stupid contract that's stupidly long that we stupidly gave him. Um, but the fact that he's a Celtic fan means he's probably... Well, there's two explanations, really. One is he's been noble and, you know, wanting to benefit the club by stepping away, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what's more likely is that his agent has heard from somewhere down south that he could be getting more money and more game time. And so he's leaked a story to the media saying, uh, blah, blah, blah. Let's, let's agitate things here. And it, to me, it's probably that one. Even though he is a Celtic fan, his agent's still got a job to do. And that's probably what he's doing. So we've got a comment here from Gorilla in Manila. Some players fall off a cliff pretty quick when they turn 30. McCarthy appears to be one of them. Moy hopefully isn't. Yeah. I think the issue with McCarthy is he's been, he had multiple injuries leading up to when he left Crystal Palace and then we signed him when he didn't do a preseason. So the fact that he's done a full preseason now and still isn't anywhere near it to me makes me think, yep, it's the end of the road for him. I also think we're at the stage now where we don't need these Celtic fans that want to retire at the club in their 30s to come in. We're, we're not, that's not the position we're at. We don't need Aidan McGeady at 32. We don't need Robert Snodgrass at 31. Like, we're, it, Kieran Tierney won't be able to come back either. It's not, we're just not that club right now. Hopefully, we won't be ever again where we need Celtic fans to come back and do as a turn when they're collecting a final payday. We keep talking about, like, we want Celtic to go more the way of, like, you know, your Red Bull Salzburgs and your your Ajax sort of set up. And if we look at it, Ajax, I can only remember one player left, went to England, came back to them, and he's actually been at the same level, if not better, which was Daily Blind when he left mm -hmm. and came back to them recently. But other than that, they've had a few others go and come back and they haven't at the same levels, and I don't really want that to happen at Celtic. We don't need to be signing these older players. Yeah, we need some experience, but now we're in year two. Ange knows what he wants. It's about getting the players in, developing them to play a system. And there's a comment here from Neely D, which is saying, McCarthy was signed by Dermot Desmond as an indulgence, not part of Ange's playing budget, just my perception. I'd tend I think to agree that's, with a, that's, a, that's a perception shared by a lot of people. Um, because, again, you know, a team like Sunderland, for example, McCarthy will probably do a job. Um, 
the championship in England needs those kind of more negative, more kind of destructive midfield players, whereas Celtic's style under Ange just does not fit that at all. Um, and so, yeah, I think there may be some truth to that. Because remember, when McCarthy came in, Ange had only been in the job a few weeks, and he had maybe not quite yet got to a stage where he could assert the authority. I mean, I don't doubt now that every move we make is sanctioned by Ange directly. But, you know, last summer when he was just in the door, Desmond might have said to him, you might want to take this guy, Celtic fan, experienced international player, whatever. And Ange was not yet in the position where he knew enough about Scottish football to say, nah, he's not the kind of guy we need, you know. But now he is. There's also a difference in standard. We would stroll that English Championship, like put us up against any team in that English Championship on any day uh, where we're not not in a friendly, obviously, but like in an actual game where we're playing our best. There's pff, one out of 20, the English Championship team wins. Pick, every, pick all the best players at the English Championship, put them together, they can beat us one in 20 on our day. We are, we, are we, we might not be a Champions League standard, but we're Europa League standard and we're well above the English Championship. Yeah, I don't even think that's an exaggeration. I I don't even. Yeah, I think that's pretty spot on. Well, Norwich are favourites to win the championship, and we beat them quite comprehensively last week, didn't we? I'm just laughing at that, Sean, because I'm just like I'm just waiting. If that doesn't, if something went wrong, now you're online for attorney for someone to clip that. (laughs) That's why I'm laughing, not because of what you're saying. I agree with it 100 percent as well. But look, what I want to do is another comment I want to bring up. It's got nothing to do with the McCarthy thing. It's from early on from Vanessa McCormick. And I'm going to give it the, uh, you know, zombie intro because it's funny. <laughs> so Vanessa's gone, glad we aren't playing Euro qualifiers. Huns play PSV or Monaco if they go through. I wouldn't fancy our chances against any of those teams. Yeah. No. I just wanted yeah. to laugh. They lost, but it's only half time in that tie, isn't it? It's not like a one one leg knockout like last year, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's two legs. Yeah, no, it's two legs. I also disagree with Vanessa. I would fancy her chances. Yeah, me too. Yeah, against PSV and Monaco, not last yeah. year, but this year against Monaco, I'd think, oh, I think we could do it against PSV. They're just dangerously good, so I still would back us to beat them over the over two legs. But yeah. Of the two of nuts, I'd be more worried about. But I, still, there, I reckon like, PSV could go on and win the Dutch league this year. So, yeah, I um, I wouldn't want to play them. Monaco, I would take if we had to. But PSV, no. Nah. Best part is we don't have to because we're already in the Champions League, bitches. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And and it how was quite funny how as well, it wasn't it? Given the um, given the the, the you know. The Rangers fans being what they are. The fact that they lost to a team called Union is quite funny as well, isn't it? I can understand why Vanessa's put that up, though, because talking about that for a minute, PSV, Monaco, you compare Rangers' current team to that. Honestly, do you think that they'll go through? If they win this one against Union and then go through over two legs against those teams, do you think they'll make the group stages of the Champions League? No. I'd I'd say they've got maybe not PSV, but I'd say if you look at their Europa League run, they've got a better chance against teams that underestimate them, which would be yeah. PSV Monaco. But uh, from I didn't watch the game, but from what I've heard, that Union San Galois team or whatever uh, just kind of sat back and hit them on the counter and and basically did what Rangers did to every team in Europe last year. If so, they can do that again next week and pick up an away goal, even better. Even though away goals don't mean anything, it's still an extra one on the aggregate. But the reason I brought that up is because, as Michael Ross has put here in the comments, financial disaster for Sevco not to qualify. So if they don't qualify, they don't get any of the Champions League money, which means we get an extra $7 million. With Ange spending money the way it is, $7 million is an extra Carter Vickers or an extra, um, you know, Jota. Mm-hmm. Or if Ange is saying he wants one or two more, well, there you go. Get that seven million, give it to Angela, and spend it. Get those two extra players he wants in, or build the hotel. <laughs> and Graham in the comments says Rangers got to a European final. Both clubs will be wary. Yeah, I think that's a fair yeah. comment. Yeah, but they've also sold their best players in Vasi and Aribo, But still, we're getting all sorts of comments here. Like you've got um, 
This one from Kevin as well. Rangers home form means that the tie is not over, but then Michael Ross is saying Union are better away from home, I've heard. Yeah, they so, are. Um, it's one of those ones that could go either way. That's why I said it's only half time. They're only 2 nil up. So we'll see how it goes, but I don't want to count our chickens before they hatch or whatever it is. It's good. We'll just see how it plays out. But, yeah, I still... At 1-0, kind of... I would have fancied the Hunts to turn it around at Ibrox. But 2-0, hmm. I think Union are, are the favourites now, definitely. I'd say it's about 70-30 in their favour. Well, what we'll do is we'll leave that there, let the comments section keep talking about it because the comment section is going to blow up massively on the next topic. So I'll just do this before we finish that. <laughs> just because I have to. So between our last podcast and now, Ian Bankier has been announced that he's retiring as Celtic chairman as of the 1st of January. Rumours of Peter Lawwell returning to the club to replace him. Now, comment section, please play nice here. <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a Peter Law fan, not a board fan. I look at it and go, Lawwell comes back. I'll be I'll be pissed. There'll be a lot of people in the crowd who won't be happy. We had to turn that that we had a massive movement where the fans and everyone got on board and there was you know a bit of kumbaya with the players, the fans, all this. Everyone's on the same page. I don't want Peter Lawwell coming back because who knows how that'll work out. Um, so I'm hoping that we identify someone decent enough to come in and do the job because the way we, we run as a club, I find odd. It's our CEOs, the more with under the law. Well, was the one you'd see everywhere. And your chairman, you wouldn't hear from most football clubs. Your chairman's the one you see, your CEO runs the show. So it's a bit of a, uh, bit of a weird one for me, but what are your thoughts, Sean? Uh, yeah, it's because it's not, yeah, as you say, it's a different role. It's hard to say. I, we we don't really know what Ian Bankier does. Like, I, I, if from being on my committee of my local football team, I can say that it's probably not a lot. Um, it's probably showing up for meetings and putting your toppings in and voting on issues, uh, and not much more than that, other than maybe picking up the odd task that's appointed to you. Uh, so I don't know if it might be good to have Lawwell's experience and expertise around the table but as you said we don't want Lawwell to be controlling the football in any way um, uh, like he's done in the past Okay I've got some comments to bring up straight away Michael Ross before we go to you John and, and Liam he never went away I was waiting to see how long that comment was going to be. <laughs> We've got nearly here with Annie Law Tifo will be up this weekend. Watch this space. I don't think it'll be. Is this weekend's game at home or is it up at Dingwall? Where are we, I think? Yeah, We're away. away. So that'll be our next home game. We'll get that Tifo up. And then we've got Vanessa here. It's Noda Lawwell coming back for me. And then Kevin, Graham, Ian Banco. Banky watches Tory hustlings, reads the Daily Mail, and votes will vote for Liz Trust. I know you'd like that, William, so I'll throw it to you. We normally keep politics uh, in here, but you know, I have no, to. No, I mean, Liz Trust kind of looks like a Thatcher clone that's been hatched out a wee bit too early, doesn't she? Um, but anyway, uh, no, the um, law coming back would be a step backward, unless. Unless it is one of these, you're the chairman, you sit upstairs and you sit in on board meetings and that's pretty much it. The problem was previously as a chief executive, Lowell's remit was kind of murky. It was never made clear, is he involved in the playing side of things directly or is he not? Is he giving the manager direction or is he not? Um, well, to what extent was he influencing the players that are being signed, the contracts that are being offered, and the deals that are being put to existing players? Now, if he is a chairman in the same sense as Ian Bankier has been chairman, he shouldn't be involved in any of that. In which case, I, w I, w I still don't want him back, but I would not have as much of a problem with it as long as it's made clear that he is a chairman and a chairman only. He has no chief executive role. Because Michael Nich Nicholson is just quietly doing that job quite well now. Um, 
I think the best type of CEO is the one that you never actually read about because that means the business is just ticking along smoothly. And that's the way it's been at Celtic for about the last 18 months now. So before we throw to you, John, I just want to jump on this comment here because Michael McDonald, someone explain why the Lawwell thing would be so negative. I'm asking for specifics. Okay, so on that one. <laughs> but there, here we go. How much, how much time do we have? Someone hold my beer. Now, right. what I'm looking at is if he was to come back, as Liam just said, as a specific chairman, sit on the board, go to the, be on the UEFA boards, help find those, be involved in that, bringing in those um, business partners to the club that he's been good at bringing in long-term, fine. Do that stuff. But if he gets involved like he did where it was, where Peter was everywhere across the recruitment, academy, across the first team, across the, the board, doing everything, it's not going to work because we've moved to a point where we've got a pathway being built from our youth academy through the Colts into our senior team, which Andrew's running that and setting up that system. His son's coming in. His son's coming in to oversee first-team scouting. Okay, so if he's going to get involved in everything else and he's already got John Kennedy there, who was his boy, and then his son's there, and then he's going to get involved in the football side of it, you're just waiting. It's going to tick in time bomb until Ange says, no, nah, I've had enough of this and leaves because he won't work that way. Whatever club Ange's at, he's the boss. So if he's willing to put his ego to the side, sit on the board, be the chairman, and just stay out of the way, it could work. But I don't want him coming back. What's your thoughts, John? Um, very much the same sentiment, Jared. I think... Um... I, oh, it's it, it's an odd one. We always need a villain at Celtic, right? And <laughs> it's, I think uh, Desmond sort of taken up the brunt of that with, after Laurel's left. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, look, chairmans don't really do much, do they? They just organise stuff and you know settle matters and and tell people to hurry up and all that. You know, yeah, vote on tasks and stuff, but they don't actually do much. Um, I just don't trust Lawwell coming in and not doing what you described there, Jared, where he just sort of starts putting his fingers in. Oh, maybe you should do it this way. Maybe you should do that. And, oh, that contract doesn't look quite right. You know, nudge, nudge, give this a little change, which is, which is what he was doing for so long, right? It was, it was, we've, we've heard the stories like McGinn, you know, last minute contract changes and that change. It, it's just, it, he was, he was there for too long. He's, he's, he, he became not toxic. That's not the right word. He just became, um, it became a hurdle, um, and I think, uh, hopefully as well. But a lot of our recent success with Ange, and the reason why it clicked so quickly, was because we never had Laurel to to as a hurdle. Um, but look, he is also very uh, well respected in European football, uh, and he did a lot for us um, with a lot of our negotiations with UEFA and stuff, and and. Uh, he was a he was a champion for Celtic. I just think uh, that uh, it's too soon. So I, I I probably wouldn't have a huge problem with it if he did come back in something like a chairman position in the future. But I I just I'm not a fan of it just now. I think it just really sort of like puts us in a step back. Where even if it's just perception, even if it's just perception, I think I think the appointment would be a really a real silly move from the board. Although they don't really do smart moves in general, but here's a funny one for you anyway. Kevin Graham is on the non-executive board already, so he's still in the background anyway. I'm I I I, I'm on the on the website. I don't think he is a non-executive. Non-executive. I think he he has. I think he's a non-executive advisor because he was still taking part in some UEFA advisory groups, so it made sense to keep him. Yeah. A couple other comments here. So you've got Michael McDonald. Assuming a lot there, I think Ange would get on well with him. Only probably problem I had with Law was most of the managers he appointed. And then Michael Ross, Law described us as a Champions League club. We made three appearances, not good enough. So this is one that's going to split the support. And that's why we bring this up. Like Michael in the comments has his opinion. We, 
Other guys in the comments have their opinion. We've got our opinions. There's a lot of a lot of bullshit going on, basically. So it's um, yeah, I think it's just we'll see how it goes. But I hope we can bring someone else in. At the end of the day, there's yeah. a there's a history to Lowell that is often not talked about. Um, we need to remember that when Peter Lowell became Celtic's chief executive in 2003, that was his second stint at Celtic already, right? He was originally brought in under the under the Kellys in 1990 as their financial guy. So if you want to talk about potential toxicity, he represents a direct link back to the board that almost killed Celtic to begin with. So we don't want to take step backward, any steps backward. And, you know, Peter Lowell did a lot of good at Celtic during his time, but he stayed about five years too long. He will always be remembered, not primarily, but especially like strongly remembered as part of the, the team that blew 10 in a row by not, yeah. not building from a position of strength and by making his pal the manager when it was not the right move. Um, so I just think that Celtic fans have long memories and I'm, think, I'm sure I'm not the only one who connects him with the uh, the Kellys and the old board and I do not so, think that is something that Celtic should be going anywhere near ever again so what we're, what we're going to do Liam is we're going to leave the final word on this topic to Vanessa McCormick from the comment section here mm-hmm. where she says when he reappointed Neil Lennon I lost all respect and that's where a lot of us Celtic fans lost any respect we did have for him as well. So I think yeah. we'll leave it at that point there. We'll jump on to the next topic, which was a couple of days ago. The third kit was launched. Looks like a training kit, but I'll probably still buy it just because I like the piping on the sleeves, which is the um, top of the stand pattern. But what's your take on it, Liam? Because you're the, um, the the football shirt connoisseur here who collects everything. Um, we but underwhelmed to be honest. I think I might wait for the sale on this one. <laughs> I've got my home and away. I've got my home and away kits ordered that are coming. I'm probably going to get one of the goalie tops at some point, but this third kit just has me kind of like meh. Um, grey is just not a particularly appealing colour. Um, and it just no, I. I I always, I, I, the general idea with Celtic is that the home kit is always green and white. The away kit is usually either a different shade of green, yellow, or black, some kind of variation thereof, right? The third kit gives you a chance to do something a wee bit outrageous, a wee bit different. You know, we've had pink kits before, we've had silver kits before, we've had black and gold kits before. This, it just. It's as if Adidas looked at their thing and thought, okay, what's a, what's a colour we haven't used yet? All right, let's go with washed out grey. There you go. Nah, I'm, I'm not not enamoured with it at all, I'll be honest. But I will probably end up buying it because gullible fools like me are why they keep churning out these kits. What I said, Liam, to a couple of mates was when I saw it, I was like, that's a wait till the end of the season, 20 to 25 to 30 quid clearance sale purchase one. Yeah. And then, and then one of my mates who's a Man United fan saw that and you know what his view was? He goes, that's the leftover material we had from our Adidas grey ones last season. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the same colour scheme. <laughs> what your that's thoughts, exactly John? What I, that's exactly what I thought of when I saw it. I thought that the Man United grey kit looked exactly the same. No, I'm the same with Liam. It, it wasn't very inspiring, was it? It wasn't, I don't know. It, um I actually quite liked the clearly absolute nonsense now, but although that concept design that we that we all saw where it was the grey, but it was the grey hooped, you know the ones we're talking mm. about with the luminous stripe. Yeah. I actually thought that looked dead smart, to be honest. I thought doing yeah. something like that would be much. I don't know that would still it's still pretty out there, right? Doing the hoops in grey and then having the the big fluoro stripes and stuff. That's very different. Um, but it's just it's just very basic and a bit boring, to be honest. So yeah, I I think it's it's quite low on the list as um, not one of the worst, but not definitely not not even middle tier for me. You sure? Yeah, I'll, I'll just agree with you guys. I'll probably wait to buy it. I do tend to buy these third kits just because they're original. Um, 
Like, I'm not I probably, I don't always buy the home kits because it's like, you know, green and white hoops, green and white hoops, green and white hoops. But like when you come out with an original thirds kit, I'll, I'll tend to buy it, but I'll probably wait till it's cheaper, as you say. Wait and see if anyone gets me for Christmas, and if not, I'll get it myself. Makes perfect sense then. All right, so we've got a couple of topics to go. So it looks like we might be done in time for you, Sean, to get out when you need to. Happy Hope days. Yeah. So we got um on the weekend, Celtic versus Ross County. What are we hoping to see? For me, I'm like more of the same. I want to see is just build on what we did on the weekend in terms of instead of it being 70-minute performance, I want to see us build and get it up to like a 90-minute 90, 90 performance where we're playing at that level. We've got the five subs and we can just get the job done. I think we can get up there and, you know, 2-0, 3-0. I'd be happy with that. The key thing is picking up three points. What are you thinking, Liam? Yeah, just go out and, same as last week, just go out and get the job done. We're going to be up against a team that are going to be, their whole strategy is going to be to stop us playing rather than looking at what they can play. And Ross County are a decent side, um, not to be underestimated. They've lost their best player, obviously, in Regan Charles Cook. Um, but um, no, they're a, it's a potentially tricky one and we need to approach it carefully. But if we show the same level of uh, consistency and uh, attitude that we showed against Aberdeen, I think well, I think it could be another probably another two or three nil. John? Yeah, I think it's more of it. I'm agreeing with Liam. We, we both got it right last week, Liam, with the two nil. I reckon mm-hmm. it's probably going to be a three nil. Um, They'll have to be more expansive than Aberdeen were, given that it's a home game. And given that we also don't have any midweek games for the next few weeks as well, it's, it'll be interesting to see what to do with the squad. Um, yeah, because we've got our fi- over five next games, only one's at home, and there's no midweek ga- uh, before our next midweek game. So I think the next four games are all without a midweek to interrupt it. So it will be interesting to see what they do there. Plenty of training time. And John. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, echoing the same sort of uh, sentiments. Um, I'd like to see a bit of rotation in the players. Um, uh, yeah, and I just want us to hit that momentum from the very beginning. Uh, and, and yeah, I want to get like a 3-4-0 win. That will really set us up for the beginning of the season, to be honest. Um, I don't think County are an especially good team, so it will just be about battling those... Um, really low defensive lines and stuff and yeah I, we'll, 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 we've got enough to win so I don't think it's going to be anything stupid but yeah just well, building up my men if Malcolm McGuire play, plays the same way as he did last year then it's going to be counter attack on the wings so what's yeah. the uh, you know we've all set our scorers what do you reckon who's going to be scoring I'm going to say my ones I said 2 or 3 nil. O'Reilly will score one Jack and Marcus will score one and if there's a third one, it'll either be Kyogo or a nine goal. There you go. I think Jota gets two, Jakamakis and Kyogo for the other two. Hmm. Come on, two Liam. Music is cool. Two from right, Kyogo, then. two from O'Reilly. Right. Uh, I'll go 3 0, uh, Kyogo, O'Reilly, and Carter Vickers with a header since he hasn't scored one yet. Hey, okay. There we go. The challenge is out there, Carter Vickers. Get it done. So what we'll do before we um start off the pod saying, do you want the good news or the bad news? So we'll end up right now. Just want to pass on from all of us here in the South Down Under podcast, passing our condolences to the Hughes family on the passing of John. Or oh, everyone knows him as Yogi, obviously. Um, another Lisbon lion gone. And, um, yeah, disappointing. Sad news, and um, yeah, you my thoughts and prayers, guys. So, um, yeah, just condolences. Yeah, apparently, yeah. only one of 29 players to score 100 goals or more for Celtic. Mm-hmm. And wow. he, he didn't play in 67, but he was in the squad and he, he started in 1970 against Feyenoord in that final. To uh, to round things off on a slightly more cheerful note, do you know why he got the nickname Yogi? Go on. I only no. found this out last night. Apparently, back in the early 60s, Celtic were doing a kind of a pre-season training thing. 
and they were at they were at a, a ski resort, and they were getting the ski lift down from the mountain to, to the hotel or whatever where they were staying. And uh, John Hughes said, oh, I, "I don't, I don't fancy that that ski lift. Is it all right if I just walk there and I'll, I'll see you guys at the bottom?" And still, like, I, I, okay, okay. So he heads off into the snow, and the rest of the boys just get the ski lift back down to the base camp. And uh, they get to base camp, and the staff are like, "Where's, where, where's your guy?" And I went, "Oh, he decided to hike down. He doesn't like ski lifts." Suddenly, they're all reaching for their rifles and heading off into the forest. What is it? That place is overrun with grizzly bears. And apparently, five minutes later, the bold yogi just struts in, completely oblivious to the fact that he could have got ripped to bits by bears at any point. <laughs> <laughs> and so the nickname Yogi was born. <laughs> Perfect. That makes sense, especially for us. Uh, you know, the way we all are, we like to take the mickey. So, uh, yeah. Happy days. Yeah, so we'll leave that there. But um, we'll go our final thoughts for the podcast to wrap it all up. So I'll go to you first, Sean. Uh, yeah, just a date for the diary. Uh, Champions League group draw, 25th of August. John? Yeah, um, well, it's a, a bit of a two-parter. Um, so first one, uh, I don't know if, if many listeners also follow some of our um, forums and stuff, our Facebook group and Twitter and stuff. Um, but you you might see some of the pictures of the Celtic down under flag around about Celtic Park. Um, and that's my old man and my uncle. They, they've got one of our flags and they proudly take it with them around whenever they go, Europe and stuff as well. Well, they were taking some pictures outside the front of the Celtic Way. And um, yeah, we had uh, a fan come up and say hello and say that he, he's a big fan of the, of the podcast and um, and he says that we all talk sense, so he's clearly mad. Um, so, yeah, shout out to... Oh, so does he know me to, very well? <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Brian Dunn. Thanks very much for listening. Um, and, yeah, thanks for coming to say hello. Um, top man, Brian. Top man, yeah. Uh, and I'll do my um, I'll do my little music recommendation of, of, of whenever I come on. Um, so this time I'm recommending the Teskey Brothers um, who's an Australian rock band. Um, it's shockingly uh, three brothers and, and one of their mates. Um, so if you like your soul music, which is very different, it uh, sounds very sort of like the Americana stuff, the Southern rock, um, but it's Australian guys. So if you like um, that sort of modern R&B, soul, uh, Southern rock stuff, yeah, give them a listen. They're, I think they're fantastic. They're normally on my sort of playlist to listen to. Good, good, uh, good music. I'll see what in those happens. comments. I'll second those comments. They are decent. Very decent. Liam? I'm going to close out by saying something that I never thought I would ever say in a public forum. Congratulations. Oh, cool. Congratulations to England. Oh, um, I watched the uh, the final of the Women's Euros and England played very well. They were the deserving winners. And the media are what they are and that can't be changed but it was great to see so many young women taking a great interest in football it was great to see a team with no drama on or off the pitch no bravado no arrogance they just get their heads down and get the job done and if the men's england team was a bit more like that maybe i'd be a wee bit more sympathetic to them when the world cup comes around so well done the lionesses yeah, my final thought is on Rangers TV in their game against Union, there was this little uh, interaction from the uh, commentators, which I thought a bit of a faux pas. So Tom on commentary goes to Gordon Smith. Do you know Union's goalkeeping coach's ex-Celtic player called Logan Bailey? Why that's funny is because Gordon would know him fairly well considering that Logan Bailey is the absent father to Gordon's grandson. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, when I read that, I'm like, oh, there you go. Brilliant. That's talk about making it awkward. So, um, yeah, mm. got to love it. That's almost as good as what's the goalie doing, Tam. But anyway, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll, leave it. we'll leave it there. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Please subscribe to Stoke Down the Podcast through your podcast app on YouTube. Uh, like our Facebook group 
page and uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Celtic Down. Thanks, guys. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. Yeah,